This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. We are living in a time where our future is uncertain, which means youth voice is as important as ever. Kia ora, join me, Leo, on Operation Rakatahi on ORFM's Youth Zone, 105.4 FM, 1575 AM or online at oar.org.nz or download the Youth Zone app on Google Play or the Apple App Store. I'm on the air every second Tuesday at 4pm. Kia ora and welcome back to Operation Rakatahi with Leo. So this week is not going to be a light week. Um, here on our 82nd show because I'm going to be talking after the song break about the whole the, the big scandal happening in Dunedin for the last couple of weeks that was happening at one of the high schools in Dunedin with the ripping off of a hijab and the racism and the xenophobia that comes with that and what the outpour and support has meant beyond. So I'm going to talk about that after the song break. But now, so if you just, if you didn't hear last week's episode, I would definitely recommend and go back and listen to that because this first half of the show, I'm going to be talking, going to give a bit of an update about what's happening in Russia and the Ukraine because, frankly, there is a lot that has happened in the last two weeks and especially in the last few days that I feel like if I don't talk about now, last week's show's already out of date in its information because stuff changes and um, it's actually kind of got me scared that the war might be coming and like, um, and a war on today's standards with Russia involved and especially the US are uh, getting involved with this thing has got me scared because a nuclear it would probably end up being nuclear if it went if the Western powers got involved. And I want to talk about what a nuclear war would be and it's what it would contribute to New Zealand because I'm actually I am not trying to scare monger and saying this. Some part of me is scared that World War Three is just around the corner. And I will get into why. But for context, the show's not gonna be all about Russia and the Ukraine. It's gonna be I'm gonna update you guys on what's been happening and then I'm gonna go more and talk about nuclear power and nuclear weapons directly in the doomsday clock, which I will explain what that is, and the devastation that would have for the world. But first, in the last two weeks, the Russia-Ukraine tensions have risen, and just yesterday, Russia has officially recognised the Donhansk and the Luhansk um, regions of the Ukraine as official independent nations that are riddled with rebel soldiers that are pro-Russia. Problem is, this is a similar tactic Putin did when 
he claimed the Crimea, he officially recognised him as independent, then invaded. But this is a little bit different, like, it's, there's other things that have been happening. Putin, it's all of Putin's high command, I should say, it's not really, they call them cabinet ministers, but they're not really elected. Russia is not a democracy, even though they want the world to think it is. Um, I would say his high command, because it's not really cabinet ministers in my opinion, even though that's what they're called, have pressured him to invade, and he has ripped up, pretty much, the peace treaty and the ceasefire agreement, which could be breaking international law. So, it's all a bit murky, but there's a lot of fear and hysteria going on, because in the last couple of weeks, there has been weapons testings close to the border of the Ukraine going on and on Belarusian land nearby on another neighboring region and local Russian broadcasters and rebel broadcasters in the Donhansk and the Luhansk region are blaming it on the on Kiev the Ukrainian government and creating fear and hysteria and allowing evacuees or refugees into Russia from the Ukraine for people who are pro-Russia. It's creating fear and hysteria in the Ukraine that isn't needed, and but it is tactic, and it's I guess it's tactic for war. They were able to spread propaganda and create an excuse for war if they go to it, but the Western world is not having it. And what has happened is, like I mentioned before, Putin's army has been testing weapons on Belarusian land. The problem with that is, Belarus has had, it, it, it's a loyal ally to Russia, and they've had Russian troops come through Belarusian land, there's been quiet deals with the Belarusian government to allow that to happen. The scary thing about that is, where they're doing it, it's on the boundary with um, the Ukraine, and very, 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 this is on the northern end of the Ukraine, not the southern end where Donhensk and Luhansk are, their weapons testing is there, and the border there is very, very close to the capital of Kiev, so with that Belarusian deal, having the Russian army set up there, they are in a very prime position to invade and take over Kiev, and which would be a travesty. But the rest of the world has all been delicate up until this last week in handling how they go about it, but not this week. Both Biden and um, Prime Minister Johnson of the US and the UK have made very clear sanctions that there is, if they do choose to invade the Ukraine, Russia, they're going to be putting trade sanctions on Russia's, on Russia, and banning all trade with Russia, and all Russian-owned businesses aren't allowed to operate with their ties with Russia. And the, U, the EU is writing up similar deals and they're yet to be announced, and it will. Pro I'm recording this on Tuesday night, so it could be ready when this goes to air, to, in just over 
just under 24 hours time, we might have information on what the EU has decided to do. But France, who are members of the EU, has said Russia to back down and supports what Prime Minister Johnson and President Biden have said previously. So, and we kind of have an idea of what the EU stands for because, like I mentioned last week, the Ukraine and the EU have been trying to get them to join NATO and the EU over the last few decades. And they're essentially an unofficial member, but they're not members yet, but they're strong allies with the EU and the rest and most of the Western powers, including New Zealand. But the scary thing is So that's mostly the update, but what has got me scared is, it's, if Russia does choose to invade and other Western powers choose to send troops, because Biden has said, has sent, the US has sent troops into the EU as peacekeeping measures, but it could go to a point where it gets, they're going to want to defend the Ukraine. So... And they, they, lots of the Western nations have said we don't want war, but they haven't, like, completely ruled it out. And it's got me scared that we might be on the brink of World War Three, which could be me being overdramatic, and I am not trying to s share fear, misinformation, or hysteria around this. This is just my own feelings, and I don't feel completely happy with the way things are going. And so do not take that statement as anything. I'm just going to be talking about what I have a problem with. You may not have this fear around this, and it could be just border skirmishes, or Russia does choose to invade, sanctions happen, and it'll be fine. But I'm worried there might be a nuclear war. And I'm going to talk about what would happen. And it is a very relevant topic. Even if I took the Russia-Ukraine stuff out of this, talking about the risks of nuclear war is important because we've had close calls throughout history post-World War II. There was nuclear weapons dropped on. The only times it's been dropped in military combat was in Hiroshima and Nagasaki in 1945. And there have been lots of weapons testings in the Pacific since and up until the 90s, and there still is weapons testings all over the world that still happens to this day, just it's a lot more hush-hush and a lot more controlled than it was. But also talking about this thing is important, and the let me paint a picture. The number of nuclear weapons in the world is nowhere near what it was like during the height of the Cold War. There's been weapons dismantling and um, denuclearization across the world. And even powers like South Africa that used to have nuclear weapons completely got rid of all, dismantled them and got rid of them all. And now there are nine countries in the world that have nuclear weapons. And I will list them all with the number that they have in total, that we think that they have in total. The United States has 5,600 nuclear weapons. 
Russia has 6,257 nuclear weapons. The United Kingdom has 225 nuclear weapons. France has 290. China has 350. India has 160. Pakistan has 165. North Korea has 45. And Israel has 90. And just be aware, those are the powers that have nuclear weapons. And the US, the UK, Russia, France are all involved with this skirmish. With China is a loyal ally of Russia. And so is North Korea. So if something did happen, there could be involvement on that side too. So it's just good to be aware that of especially these nations involved in these skirmishes that are happening right now in the Russia and the Ukraine. Lots of them have nuclear weapons, and even though the Ukraine doesn't, all of their lots of their allies do. So it's all a bit freaky deaky, and I'm a bit scared. But I'm going to talk about um, what the Doomsday Clock is, like I said before. And honestly, like the Doomsday Clock, I thought was a myth for years and years and years because it was it's in lots of science fiction shows. And I first learned about it watching Doctor Who, and I thought it was something made up and put in for a plotline for an episode years ago. And I was I found out later that it actually is a real thing, and it was a fictionalized version of it used in the show, of course, but it is actually a real thing that was started and has been continuing in use since 1947, created by scientists. And it examines how close the world is to human-made natural destruction of the Earth. And it was originally used to calculate nuclear risk and if that was to be used worldwide. They have later folded climate change into that because it has some parallels there because it's about the environmental damage caused by humans. So it's a clock that, the Doomsday Clock is a clock that it will always have a time on it, and it's how many minutes or seconds the clock is reaching towards midnight, and midnight is supposed to be doomsday. And it always would be like one minute, two minutes, three minutes, etc. to midnight, and the closer the minutes are, are the closer you are to doomsday. And currently, since January 2020, and that was the first time the clock got moved since 2010. Yep, it took 10 years for it to change, and it hasn't been changed since January 2020. Currently, it's at 100 seconds to midnight. And this is a panel that decides on how close we are to doomsday. And it's full of scientists, world leaders, 
and nuclear experts. So that indicate how close we are. And it's also important to know the lowest risk. It, the other thing is, since currently this is the closest the doomsday clock has been to midnight since its inception in 1947. Higher than what it was at the height of the Cold War. Where it was at two minutes to midnight. The lowest risk that the Doomsday Clock has predicted was in 1991 at the fall of the Soviet Union when it was at 17 minutes to midnight. So just something to, some facts about it. And it, it's just an interesting thing to talk about because it, it's a measurement used and there are skeptics about it. It might not be the most accurate thing but it's something that is universally acknowledged as something that predicts how close we are to worldwide destruction. So, created by humans. And before someone asks, the pandemic has not influenced the doomsday clock in any which way because, because simply the pandemic wasn't created by humans. It was a naturally born disease. And the doomsday clock only recognizes nuclear risk and climate change because they are human directly caused. And yeah, and they wouldn't predict other things like a meteor. If a meteor was to crash to Earth, the doomsday clock wouldn't take that into consideration. There are other ways. You just get told the world's going to end. And but the Doomsday Clock is specifically for only human-made natural, human-made disasters. So, yeah. And it's also, I wanted to also talk about what the direct consequences of a nuclear war would be directly from a bomb. And... In a nuclear war, there'd be heaps of these bombs being dropped, most likely, if it was a World War Three scale like it was in previous world wars. The world would just be over. And it would also mean, okay, for the modern bomb, it is 3,300 3, times bigger than the Hiroshima and Nagasaki H-bombs that were dropped then. A modern, the average modern nuclear bomb, when dropped on a descended target, everyone within a six kilometer radius of the impact would die instantly. And it would create a direct fallout of 100 kilometers around that area. And the people in that 100 kilometer radius would die within hours to days to weeks. Up to two weeks, everyone in that 100 kilometer radius is most likely going to die. But there is also, from that bomb, 
it will create soot and ash that would go into our atmosphere. Now, this would kill people over years. And they can't really tell the radius of that beyond the 100 kilometers because people would die from things like cancer later down the line. It would also create a nuclear winter. And a nuclear winter would be devastating and it would last up to about 10 years where soot and ash would cover the world, would cover parts of the world. And if there was more than one bomb, these soot clouds would be much larger, covering larger areas of the world. And you would feel it, the bomb, across the world. It would send a shockwave throughout the world. And we would all know about a nuclear bomb being dropped. And what would happen with the soot and ash? It would actually break down our ozone layer, which would mean the Earth would be polluted with ultraviolet radiation from the sun. And that would also kill people too. And if there was a new... This is a... I don't have enough time to completely go over what a nuclear winter would be. But it would be devastating and it would be the end of life as it could be the end of life as we know it, depending on its scale. And if there was a nuclear war to the scale of mass death and mass scale as World War Two, except there would be the use of these nuclear weapons, 70% of the world's Scientists have decreed 70% of the atmosphere in the Northern Hemisphere would be covered in soot and ash for up to 10 years, and in the Southern Hemisphere, 30%. This is because more populated cities and larger weapons are more located in the Northern Hemisphere than the Southern Hemisphere, but the Southern Hemisphere would well and truly be affected. But I'm going to end this segment on a quote because this quote really like sends the message home. And it's a quote from Albert Einstein in 1946 after the end of World War II, where he is quoted in saying, I know not, I know not what World War III will be fought with, but World War IV, World War IV would be fought with sticks and stones. And without saying it, that is very telling of the world damage that nuclear weapons would be. And at that time, they kind of wouldn't, he wouldn't have known exactly what nuclear weapons were. Yes, he would have known about the H-bombs over Hiroshima and Nagasaki, but those were unprecedented bombs that have shaken the world to today. And the bombs that we have today haven't been used, but they would be way more catastrophic than the ones in Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Not to downplay the loss of life and the catastrophe that the Hiroshima and Nagasaki bombs were, 
it would still be even more devastating than that, and that was devastating enough. And I'm going to leave it there, and I'm sorry if I scared you, and I'm not trying to spread, do not take this as me telling you World War 3 is on the way, this is what's going to happen. This is a me saying, these are my fears, I'm not wanting to spread them onto you, but these are discussions that are needed to be had. And things that we should be knowledgeable about, okay? But we're going to a song break after this, and don't take too, and don't go anywhere because after the break, I'll be talking about the justice for Huda campaign that's been happening over the last week. So, yeah. See you after the song break.
to the door with you. The air was cold, but something about it felt like home somehow. And I left my scarf there at your sister's house, and you've still got it in your drawer even now. Swearing it's the same after three months. 
Between us, I remember us all. 
We are living in a time where our future is uncertain, which means youth voice is as important as ever. Kia ora, join me, Leo, on Operation Rakatahi on ORFM's Youth Zone, 105.4 FM, 1575 AM or online at oar.org.nz or download the Youth Zone app on Google Play or the Apple App Store. I'm on the air every second Tuesday at 4pm. Hello and welcome back to Operation Rakatahi with Leo. So, if you just joined me, I was talking about the consequences of what a nuclear war would be um, as a result of more of an update of going on in the Ukraine-Russia crisis. But go and listen to that on the podcast if you missed that. That would be very much appreciated. But first, I forgot to mention at the start of the show, yesterday was the 11th anniversary of the February 22nd, 2011 a Christchurch earthquake that killed many people and has injured many and scarred many for life. And just wanted to take a moment to acknowledge that because it's a momentous day that we should all remember because it was a national, natural disaster that was a travesty. Um... Also, I would be negligent not to mention on the platform I have the ongoing Wellington protests, and I know people probably don't want to talk about it, and there isn't much talk about it, but actually, as much as I don't agree with principles about what the group were protesting, I didn't have a problem with them protesting when it was peaceful, because... I believe in protest, and I don't agree with what they're protesting about. I would never join them. But it has become more than just a protest. It is a riot. It is dismantling and disrupting everyday life that is going on. And the point is being made, and you don't need to be throwing poo at people to get your point across. Yes, you may not feel heard, but oh well. If you don't like what's going on in the elections a couple of years a year in a year's time, so you know, do better. And don't resort to violence and creating chaos across a school had to shut its doors until the protests have stopped. And it's just getting out of hand and it is not okay to make it violent and disruptive. And just get over it. The point's been made. You've had your protest. It doesn't need to be violent. If you're gonna, vi- if anyone is going to protest, this is beyond the protests in Wellington right now. If anyone is going to protest, keep it peaceful because it is. It. I am not supporting, and I do not support the Wellington protests, but I support protest when it is peaceful, because it is a democratic right to protest. And we live in a democratic nation where people are allowed to protest and share their views. But when it becomes violent like it is in Wellington at the moment, that is taking what we have here in New Zealand for granted. Because actually, when it becomes more than... When it becomes violent and abhorrent, 
that is undemocratic and that is uncool. But that's all I'm going to say about it because I don't need to take up too much more of the time and airspace for it because actually, like Jacinda Ardern said, the point has been made, now go home. Right. It's been such a busy week and which a busy week is usually good for a current events political show like mine, but it actually, when it's all of these things all at once, it is very disappointing and very sad, but the world is just chaotic at the moment, and there is another thing that is the Justice for Huda campaign that's been happening locally here in Dunedin, and I know lots of other people will be talking about it on their shows, and everyone's talking about it at the moment, but it would be unwise of me to not use my platform here to talk about this, and I am no member of the Muslim community, I don't wear a hijab, I'm not a woman, and I'm not a person of colour who gets attacked in this way on an everyday basis, but part of me being a person in the world, especially being a white person in the world, we should be calling this stuff out, because my privilege is not something to be looked past and ignored, because, but I should also use that privilege to point out what is going on. And as much as it sucks that there is a hierarchy within race, that is the world, and skin tone, that's the world we live in. And it is important for these things to be discussed. And yeah. So, disclaimer out of the way. Now, what had happened was, on the 9th of February... Huda, who's a Muslim teen in Dunedin, was brutally beaten and had her hijab ripped off at Otago Girls High School. And she resulted in many injuries, including a concussion. The school did not call an ambulance. And the attackers spat in their face, spat in her and her friend's face, and pulled the fingers at them. And they yelled out vile, abhorrent, racially motivated slurs, which I am not going to repeat because they are not the sort of thing that need to be repeated. And if you want to know what has been said, there is a lot of resources out there. You can go follow the Instagram pages or the news articles because they're all in there. And Make sure you go sign the petition that's circulating around, because it is an important thing. And the problem is, it felt like for a long time Otago Girls didn't do anything about it, other than let them off with a warning, and for it to not happen again. And they eventually did just, just the other day. Um, expel those students that were involved and lots more had come out about those students and 
they've had problems in the past to do with this sort of behavior and other sorts of behavior but it felt like otaku girls only did something when it became world local national and worldwide news that this had happened and yes i am glad that they took responsibility and did something about it but it feels like a little too late because they let everyone down in that situation and it had to be worldwide news for something to happen about it and they refused to talk about it and they refused to take acknowledgement until they got rectified but i will also say that this is not an us and them situation and otago girls high school i am not condemning what they have done through this all but it's not located just to otago girls and that is not me minimizing what otago girls has done or what those students have done it is a widespread issue and it's not just located to dunedin it is a new zealand wide thing and and <laughs> as much as i'm proud that people have come together about these sorts of things like we did after the mosque attacks and again this week for the justice for huda campaign it feels like we only come together when something extreme happens like a terrorist attack or or a xenophobic attack that results in injury and and serious injuries at that so as much as i'm very proud that the community came together and i'm not minimizing that either it is very great that everyone stood up but i would also like more to be done and not just have this this sounds like i'm minimizing the good that's happened and i'm not and i don't know how to explain but we should be going beyond this not just making it for the here and now because what happened in 2019 what happened now they're not the only examples of what's happened throughout new zealand in our recent memory because it happens on an everyday basis this sort of racism and islamophobic and xenophobic attacks and these could be small these could just be wee comments that if you weren't listening out for you might not have noticed but if you do listen you notice and there's a lot of not doing things about that and we should continue the discussions beyond what's newsworthy because that is the problem it's only a big deal when it's huge and it is violent but also words can hurt too and small actions can work do too and yes but i am incredibly proud of our community in dunedin 
in all of New Zealand and beyond New Zealand for coming together on this sort of thing and putting Otaku Girls High School in line. And these sorts of things happen at all schools. This is just the most loud and the most violent and the most newsworthy. And because they are us too, like we said in 2019, but they will always be us because it didn't just happen then, it didn't just happen now. We need to extend our care because, yeah, and not let this thing sort of happen again because it's a big deal. And this goes beyond just racism, just Islamophobia, and just xenophobia. All acts of abuse in some way we should call out, whether it's based on race, whether it's based on religion, whether it's based on gender or sexual orientation, or anything. Like, the list keeps going on and on and on. We shouldn't let our communities down by not speaking up. And only speaking up when it gets this big. Because we should be continually speaking up about it. But yeah. But don't get me wrong. I am all for this campaign because it is such a good campaign. And it has done some good. But we should continue the conversation. But thank you all for listening today. It's been quite a... Not the easiest of shows. And I'm not going to make it easy every week. Because that's not what the show is about. We need to be talking about these issues. Because I'm not here for entertainment fun times i'm here to convey a message and if the topic does happen to be entertaining and fun yes that's okay too but the big topics is what needs to be discussed and i'm not going to sit back and not talk about them because they're not entertaining or not fun or jovial because that's not what the world is and if the world was like that, yeah, maybe I would talk about these sorts of things. But the world is such a messed up place. We need to continue. And as much as it can be hard to talk about these things, we need to allocate times in our life to talk about these things. Because, and this week, the last few weeks especially, have been a crazy time with near threats of war. With racist chaos going on. With all the things to do with the pandemic. The world is such a crazy place. And I could keep listing and listing and listing. And actually I wouldn't have enough time to talk about all of them. But I got a wee slice of what's going on in the world. And it's a couple of things. And... 
yeah. So, thank you all for listening. If you just join me now, it's a little bit too, it's not too little too late yet, because you can listen on the podcast, but disappointing that you join me now if you're listening live, but you can download the Usone app on Google Play or the Apple App Store to listen to that, or you could go to the oar.govt.org.nz to listen on the station's website there too. So, what else? Oh, if anything in this show has affected you in any which way, and not just this show, any show, because I include this every week, contact 1737 for 24-7 support from trained counsellors. Yeah, so thank you all for listening, and kakiti anō. Bye. We are living in a time where our future is uncertain, which means youth voice is as important as ever. Kia ora, join me, Leo, on Operation Rakatahi on ORFM's Youth Zone, 105.4 FM, 1575 AM or online at oar.org.nz or download the Youth Zone app on Google Play or the Apple App Store. I'm on the air every second Tuesday at 4pm.